Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy Farrell March in the building. I need y'all to make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast Library Rap. Hip-hop interviews with your boy Tim Einenkel. You already know. In 1991, Cypress Hill released their self-titled debut album, Cypress Hill. Legendary producer and DJ DJ Muggs told journalist Brian Coleman, quote, Our favorite groups back then weren't selling platinum. They were more in the 150,000 to 300,000 range. We loved artists like Boogie Down Productions, Tribe Called Quest, Ultramagnet MCs. So we figured that's where we would probably be. And with that, I want to welcome the legendary artist, Be Real to All Hip Hop.com presents the library with Tim Antico. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me, man. So, yeah, um, I want to, you know, based on that quote about, you know, DJ Mug saying 300,000 at most, that's what we're going to do. Uh, where did you guys see yourself in terms of music uh, when you first got together at Cypress Hill? And what did you want to get out of it? What did you want to get out of creating, you know, in 1980s, 1990s? I, you know, I don't know if, if, if any of us had a vision where it would be. We were just doing what we loved but we wanted to do it different than anyone else we didn't really want to sound like anyone we wanted to be unique and you know hopefully it, it resonated but you know we didn't know if it would or not <laughs> we just wanted to be able to put something out that was different and live with it and and be proud of what we had done and going out of our way to not sound like anyone not you know not going out of our way to to make radio hits or anything like that for us for us it was all a vibe more than anything um i mean i know there was a you know we we obviously know you for your voice your your art you, you as an mc but I, I my understanding is that you you got into hip-hop as a break dancer uh yeah. what drew you to break dancing but then also what drew you to becoming an mc well you know i was more on the on the popping end 
my breakdancing wasn't as good as the, the other cats that, that were around me that were, were really magic on the floor. But, you know, I was more into the popping aspect of hip hop. But, um, it, it, you know, it was it, 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 it got to us via KDAY, 1580K uh, Day, as, as uh, young teenagers. And it started spreading, you know, throughout L.A., throughout, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods, a lot of the communities us you know that that connected to it some degree or another and and you know there was different faces there was the people that um did the graffiti they were on the art side there was people that were into the dance aspect of the culture which was the the popping and 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 breaking b-boying whatever and then there was uh the turntablism and then there was the the emceeing the emceeing came late for me you know but that was my intro into it was via the 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 dancing aspect of, of hip-hop but more you know obviously popping for me uh, eventually you know i got into the rapping aspect because i was always into poetry i always wrote things and and you know but it, it was a, a different connection of writing and and it wasn't until i met send dog's younger brother Mello, who sort of taught me how to connect the poetry to you know, writing raps to beats and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that was the earliest exposure was starting in, in, as as a b-boy and then coming in later, getting on the mic and, you know, eventually later getting on the turntables. It, it seems like there was uh, the, the early onset of the, of your, of Cypress Hill uh, career, there was uh, a, a lot of waiting in the sense where uh, 1988, uh, three years prior to you guys dropping your album, uh, NWA dropped their debut album. Uh, Muggs was part of a group called uh, 783 and uh, who released a, a track, uh, Coolin' and Cali. Uh, and then you and Sen were kind of just waiting for, I don't know, waiting is the right term, but waiting for three years to drop something. What was happening with uh, you and Sen at the time in terms of musically? And what do you think in hindsight, what was the benefits of you guys waiting for those three years? Well, we weren't really waiting, you know. Um, Sen Dog was working, and I was out in the street gang banging and, and doing that. I like totally disconnected from music, you know. Um, mm. While they were, while they were doing the seven eight three, uh, let me switch to a different room. switch as, as I tell you this story. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was basically, you know, banging while while Sen Dog and Mugs were were doing things. In the music, Muggs was Muggs had got in with seven eight three. Um, he had, you know, we we had been a, a, a team first, but you know we weren't really going anywhere. And I, you know, I just sort of disappeared, and you know started uh, banging, <laughs> started gang banging and whatnot. And the guys, well, you know, to their credit, they kept it moving. You know, they they were they were steady trying to get in somewhere and. Um, you know, somewhere along the lines, um, Muggs met the guys from 783 and he got down with them and, and an opportunity came for him to do some music with them. He he was introduced to uh, Joe the Butcher at that point. And Joe, you know, took an interest to what Muggs was doing. On the other side of it, Sendog's uh, younger brother, Mello, he had gotten a deal with uh, Delicious Vinyl. And so when that start when that happened, they came back for me. They were like, they knew where I was. They knew I was banging and, and doing all this other crazy shit. Um, but, uh, you know, they knew I, I, I had something in the writing. So 
they came to me and said, hey, look, uh, you know, we're doing this over here. Want to see if you, you know, come come back and, and do some writing with us on Mellow's on Mellow's music. And, uh, you know, I took a chance. I, you know, I, I was pretty close-minded at the time. I was, like, totally indoctrinated in the gangbang life. But something about music drew me back in. And uh, that that's uh, that's pretty much where it all started, you know, for me. It, 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 like, I started taking the writing serious after we wrote those, those few songs for Mello on his album. And, uh, you know, it... it I started letting go of the gang banging a little bit from there and it, little by little and started getting more into writing and, and creating in the studio and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was those, those particular connections because I was totally out of the loop while they were still, still making music to some degree. You know, I came in while they, when they got their foot in the door and uh, I took a chance you know, they believed in me. I felt like if they believed in me, I was going to take the chance on myself too, you know? So. Uh, I see like another, this could be, you know, 1990s. I was, I don't know, 11 or 12 at the time, but, and I was East coast. Um, it seems like something that also stood out about your early on in your career is that you said that uh, a, a kind of a reason why Columbia signed you guys early was because you not just wrapped in English, but you also wrapped in Spanish. Right. Um, was was that also uh, was that also taking as a chance in terms of rapping in Spanish in terms of being accepted by the hip hop community? Um, I mean, what drew you to rapping in Spanish and and knowing that that could play well in uh, in hip hop? Well, you know, the the thing was is that the Spanish stuff we knew it was we were baiting them, right? <laughs> there wasn't too many that had that skill set, and we knew that that we had it. And, um, you know, so we used that as one of the demos. Uh, I think it was Send Dog Rapping in All Spanish, which was the demo that, that, that got us pretty much signed. Um, we didn't use that particular song on the album. We didn't do too many more Spanish songs on that album, on that first album. We did, like, we did one, and then we did Latin Lingo. And then after that, you know, it was all just straight up, you know, hip-hop. In, in our slang and our, you know, English and sometimes Spanglish um, slang, but not, not much of it. Um, you know, we, we felt like we didn't want to be exploited as, as Latinos doing hip hop because there wasn't really a market for us then. And we'd have been um, pretty much trapped in this box that, that there was no audience for. So we, we just sort of, you know, committed to being a hip hop group and, Whatever we were, we're proud of, and, and we'll let people see that as we go along. But we're not going to be exploited or promoted as that, and that that helped us, you know, mm -hmm. um, because it, it 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 didn't it didn't um, it allowed us to to break through into the mainstream or wherever we were going to go. But we we had never really planned that. I mean, you know, again, I'll say it like this: mugs and and you know the group as a whole, we never worked to have radio singles or blow up singles. Our, our whole thing was making the best album possible. And, uh, you know, the singles were a bonus for us, you know, that, that, that went. <laughs> uh, you, you talk about mugs and, 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 you know, it's, 
you know, we know Cypress Hill has this West Coast group of mugs, obviously being from New York. Uh, and I know the stories that he used to travel back and forth and bring these records uh, that people in the West Coast didn't have. Like, you know, I know, I know I got, I got NWA's first album because my grandma bought it as a bootleg tape for me when I was like 11 years old. And then she asked me what does NWA stand for? And I said, nice with attitude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what were those tapes that uh, Muggs was bringing back? Um, do you remember those records Muggs was bringing back and kind of which one had the most kind of impact on you or stand, stood out to you at the time? Well, he would bring back these certain mixtapes, but more than anything, he would bring back like certain, you know, albums. Like the first one I remember him bringing back was the Wild Style soundtrack. And all the shit was on all that. And then, you know, eventually getting us the, the, the video to see what it was all about. So those were like the earliest influences. But I mean, you know, the thing is, is we were getting hip hop via K-Day through that, that AM station. You know, it wasn't on FM or anything like that. But a lot of us religiously listened on a Friday night when the Mixmaster show would come on because they were playing primarily you know, East Coast hip hop. There wasn't that much West Coast hip hop yet. There was a few things, but so we were, ex you know, we were exposed to uh, a lot of East Coast hip hop early on via that, that mix master show. Um, you know, but Muggs being from the East Coast, of course, he's going to, you know, like in terms of the sound, we were going to have some of that just because of, of his influence and everything. And, and uh, it went, it, it, it wrapped up together nicely because it, it created like this mystery, like where are these guys from? Are they East coast or are they West coast? <laughs> Nobody could really guess, but you know, they're half right. Cause you know, the mugs is from originally from the East coast and send dog and I, well, send dogs from Cuba. I'm really the one that was born and raised here in Los Angeles. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there's definitely a, a East Coast influence with us, but like, you know, I, I attribute that from uh, again to K Day because they were playing stuff like from Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash, Flash, Furious Five, Sugar Hill, um, then eventually like the Public Enemy and and Rock Him and Big Daddy Kane and all that and LL Cool J, Beastie Boys. I mean, we got exposed to that to that AM station, and that was big to us, you know. So, yeah, those were some early, early influences to us right there, East Coast style. Yeah, I want to ask you about uh, hip-hop artists that put uh, the West Coast on the map. And obviously Ice Cube, Ice-T, Dre, uh, NWA, Cypress Hill. Uh, but, you know, you talk to comedians, right? They talk about a comedian's comedian. Uh, for people that weren't in tune or just don't know, was there that West Coast hip-hop artist that maybe we don't know about, but definitely had this big influence on the West coast that hasn't been talked about. I, I think King P was one of those guys. Um, but I mean, he was talked about, but not enough. Right. He was carving away. I also think Tone Loke, but Tone Loke, you know, he, he, he hit his lick. He, he, um, he planted his flag. He was like doing, you know, what, what Snoop Dogg is doing now way back then, you know, Snoop mm -hmm. Dogg will get to a whole other level, but you know, Tone Loke and, um, but, Guys that are like MCs, like your MC, MC. Yeah, I'm going to say King T and, and maybe Razkaz. Like Razkaz is a dude that sometimes tends to get overlooked because, you know, some of the stuff that he's been through. But like that dude is one of the dopest LA MCs that, that um, you know, should have caught fire and should have got more props because his skill set is crazy. 
Um, he's like, he would be like um, the way that um, Jay-Z said, Talib Kweli is your MC's favorite MC, you know, right, yeah. MC's favorite MC. And that's, you know, Raz, um, Razkaz was that. Here, I think, you know, motherfuckers love lyrical shit. They're like, yo, that dude. When you, you, you talked about a, a radio play in Cali, gave a lot of East Coast artists. When did you start seeing that tide turn to that they were actually started to play West Coast hip hop artists and you guys in the West Coast knew that, all right, there's a shift. There's finally a shift towards us. It, it wasn't until we were there to hear it ourselves, you know, because no one's ever going to call you and tell you, hey, yo, son, I heard your shit on the radio. <laughs> um, um, and it ain't, it ain't quite the same until you hear it. But I remember we were going to uh, maybe a, we were doing a bunch of promo in New York. Sony had us, you know, doing a bunch of shit, a bunch of in-stores and, and things like that when they existed. And uh, we were in, in, in the van or whatever that was taking us there. And we told them to pop it on BLS. And boom, you know, they played one of our joints in the mix right there. It was like the first time we had heard it on on, on the radio on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And that was just crazy for us, you know, because this was the Mecca, New York for us, New York was the Mecca Bronx. Yes. was The Mecca, but for us from the West coast, New York as a whole, you know? So when, when we heard it on, on a, on a New York station on BLS, no less, um, it was a big deal to us, man. We got excited. I know I did. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, our music is on the motherfucking radio in New York. <laughs> what a guest. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Ice Cube, and obviously we, we know the history between uh, Cybersong and Ice Cube. And I think what's – if you could just kind of talk about it a little bit, but I think what's also interesting and nice about it is that uh, there's – you guys just – you guys squashed it, and you guys kind of yeah. went on and went uh, become friends, which I think is it, – it takes it takes real guts and real, I think, be a man to actually do that sort of thing. Uh, can you kind of just – Tell us about the the beef, and then also what was that first call or initiation to say, "Hey, let's squash this thing. Let's let's move on." Well, we started as friends first. I mean, you know, mutual fans of one another, and we were pretty cool. We were very cool. You know, we'd hang out, and uh, you know, I, I, it was around the time we were working on our Temple of Boom album, and he was working on the Friday movie and, and Friday soundtrack and all that stuff. So we were we were submitting a song for, for the soundtrack, which was uh, roll them up, light them up. And, you know, we, we, uh, we had our song, throw your stead in the air coming out as our single. And he put out a song called uh, Friday. Thank God it's Friday or Friday or something like that, where it was, Oh yeah, throw your neighborhood in the air. And for us, he had been close to our music. So, you know, we felt like he borrowed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we felt a certain way about that. We felt, you know, like there was a violation there. So we spoke on it and then it turned into the beef and, uh, you know, things went the way they went. And then after maybe a year or two, I don't, can't remember how long it was. You know, I get a call from Mac 10, like, Hey, you know what, let's talk. What can we do to like, you know, get this right. Cause you know, we shouldn't be beefing. But, and I give him all credit for that because he called He called and was like, hey, we should, you know, make this right. Because y'all were friends, one. Two, you know, 
two two West Coast, you know, um, representatives on the level that we were at it, at that point. It it look it, it was great it was great drama for hip hop, but it was not good for 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 the West Coast. Right. We're supposed to be unified, not separate and beefing and whatnot. And in Mac Ten, you know, he put that together. And I spoke with uh, Cube on January 1st, 1997. And we aired out, you know, the, the reasons that it happened. And both of us agreed to, like, squash it, drop it, to never say anything negative about each other again. And then eventually, you know, maybe we worked together. And then um, Shaq um, put, put a song called Super Friends together which had us on our first track since the beef, you know, so Shaq, he gets the props for, you know, reuniting us through, through the work. Um, and then eventually Warren G hit, hit me up to do a song with him called get you down. Um, it's based off of the war song. Don't let no one get you down or whatever. And, um, on the remix, he had Snoop and Ice Cube on it. So that was the second track that we had done after the beat, just to show like, yo, we, we are cool as fuck. And then we had done a number of shows, hung out, smoked out, and, you know, talk shop and stuff like that. So it was good to, 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 to be cool again with him because, you know, for me, I always, you know, looked up to that dude in terms of like, you know, I got to get to that level. He was always an inspiration to me, you know, his come up, his work ethic, and just him as an MC. Like, I always put myself like, okay, I have to target <laughs> certain people that that I look I look at like, okay, this motherfucker's on the one. I got to be on the one like that. So I look for sources of inspiration to, like, uplift my game. And he was always one of them. And when we were beefing, it, it, it was uh, it was interesting going up against someone who I, I respected and and had so much love for. But you know, hey, listen, for me, I love a challenge, and I don't back down from any goddamn one of them. So, like, if it had to be that way, you know, I'm game for it with whoever. But it it. It did. It did feel. I did feel some way about it because I had love for that guy. I still do. We're friends now. We may not be as tight as we used to be, but like you know, I got tremendous respect for my bro. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and. Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help. And yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, I, have a, I have a question to kind of piggyback on that, but I first want to, and, and this will all tie together in some weird way, but I, I first need to ask you about, uh, you know, Brian Coleman wrote, uh, the nasal thing is B-Real's rap style. You know, obviously it's a rap style that you've, you've created yourself uh, and you, you've perfected throughout the years. Uh, what made you just quickly develop that rap style? Because I was uh, going to get kicked out of the group. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be the writer for the group if if I hadn't come up with something because my voice as this right here uh, was not cutting through the music. It wasn't cutting through. It didn't sound right um, with with what Muggs had in mind. And, uh, you know, so I had to come up with something. And, and Mellow, Mellow Man, Send Dog's younger brother and myself, we were fucking around. And all of us were always big fans of Ram LZ. Hmm. And... Uh, we were working on a song and we started just doing a Ram LZ type voice, like just fucking around, experimenting to, to verses we had just wrote that would later on become a song, Real Estate. And Real Estate was the first song that I tried this particular style that it was like, you know, um, influenced by Ram LZ. And uh, I didn't think they would like it. I didn't necessarily like it, but, you know, I had to come up with something and it, they liked it. It stuck. And it took me a while to get used to doing it. It took me a while to get used to doing it live without, you know, wrecking my voice and whatnot. But once I got it, you know, I was able to um, make it work to to my advantage and, and figure out how can I sound as close as possible to the record when we go live. It took a minute. I got to tell you, it took like at least three, four years for me to get that shit right. But um, that's that's what saved my position in the in the group was coming up with that crazy ass voice. It's a uh, this this next question is it's weird to ask you because you because you obviously do have such a unique sound, uh, and you've also but you also talked about how Ice Cube was this kind of like the you know the, the person you looked up to or the you know artist you looked up to. So, I, but I want to ask you about. Um, Rakim and 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 an artist that comes on the scene that makes you want to like oh shit I got to do something uh, you know DMC talked about uh, when Rakim first dropped that they quote unquote jokingly said it's over we don't you know we're gonna have to retire because this guy has such a unique style uh, Chuck Creamer uh, recently interviewed um, Rakim and asked him if he had a style that kind of changed made him want to rethink his his approach to art and he talked about gangster rap being like well okay this is not what i do so now i have to figure out 
how do I keep myself in the, you know, in the game? Um, was there ever something like that for you? Was it a rock cam or was there a different artist that might've come out that said, Oh, maybe I got to re- rethink my approach. I think for any of us, it was probably Eminem, you know, cause he came out with something so dynamic. And if you were being on some lazy shit or complacency shit as a MC, as a rapper, you think you've done your, your thing and, and made your mark. Here comes the whirlwind. You know what I mean? And uh, for, for, for those who are, you know, cool with what they've done and they don't care and they don't want to grow outside of what they already are and they don't want to step further up. Yeah. You know, you could let that take you and be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm cool. But for some of us, we're competitors and, and we still have the fire. So that just ignites us. You know, it, it, it inspires us like to hear somebody spitting on that level. It's like, Oh shit, I got to get on my game. So for me, it was, it was him, you know, like hearing him come flipping and, you know, just, his delivery, his cadence, his the style that he was flipping. It wasn't just one style in particular. It was many. And then, you know, the way he was pitching his voice up and down and in the middle, I was like, okay, all right. The, you know, this is the type of shit that, 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 that allows me to get to the next level here. You know what I mean? I, Cause I am a student of the game. I, I never just park myself in 1980 or 1990 or early 2000, man, I am looking at everything and studying everything, even at the age I am now, you know, so that if one of these young bucks calls me to get on a feature, I don't sound outdated. (laughs) (laughs) My my sword is still sharp. I can cut through anything. You know what I mean? And that's my mentality. It doesn't matter who calls me to get on a track. I'm going to stand up with whoever that is. And and, uh, that's been my mentality. And I think when you have that mindset, the longevity, the longevity is there, man, because the minute you think you got it figured out, that's, that's when you're done. When you think you're the top of the heap and ain't nobody going to touch what you do. That's when it's truly over. Mm. You know, you have to be open to the fact that other people are going to be inspired by you and do a different thing or, or something that's not even close to what the fuck you do, but it's going to be as good, if not better as the shit that you've done. So you've got to elevate yourself and keep going. If, if you want to still compete, stay relevant. And, you know, even if you're past your peak in, in terms of what they say that the peak number is for an artist in, in hip hop, realistically, it's music. There is no peak. If you can keep your mind peaking, that's the deal, right? It's just, you know, marketability at that point. It's easier to market a 20-year-old than, you know, someone at 50, you know? <laughs> but that, that that being said, it you know, it's complacency that is the killer of, of any MC. Like when you think you got it figured out and you don't need to do any more, that's when guys like Eminem come out. And then the guys like Kendrick Lamar and J Cole and, and, you know, others like even Drake that, that people might not want to give the props to. They come out, and they set a new, a new flip. And it's like, okay, you got to keep up with that. And if not be better. Or right there with them, you know. There's there is no like falling behind that shit if you want to stay stay, you know, in the pack, stay in the race. So for me, it's always been open to you know listening to all these new guys and and 
what they bring to the table and appreciated it because at one point we were the young guys and the old right. older dudes before us would always give us the cosign and say, Hey, yo, check these young motherfuckers out right here. They, they are the business. Check their shit out. Right. They didn't hold it to themselves and feeling threatened and be like, no, 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 don't fuck with that man. You stay fucking with the real shit right here. You know? So it would be, <laughs> it would be felonious for us they got the torches passed to us to say, no, 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 these young motherfuckers don't deserve it. I ain't giving it up, you know? Fuck that. You know, for me, there's room for everybody, man. Music is universal, and there's always something that hits somebody. But you got to stay sharp, and you got to stay, if, if not with the pack ahead of it, you could never be behind it. So I think the artists that, that fell behind like that, you know, they got stuck on what they were doing. And they did not evolve. But you know, DMC saw it and he knew they had to evolve. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Einan Kell, hip hop journalism on the highest level. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.